The Nonprofit Happy Hour is a weekly look at Portland's nonprofits and do gooders with interviews, music, and documentaries. You're listening to the Nonprofit Happy Hour on X Ray FM, brought to you by the Media Institute for Social Change, a public interest media lab that works to inspire, empower, and engage emerging media producers. Learn more online at mediamakingchange.org. I'm Carly Meisberger. It's almost Veterans Day. So today, we're talking to Bethany Walmsley, the executive director of the Returning Veterans Project, about how we can better support our vets. This is Phil Bussey. It's the Nonprofit Happy Hour on X-Ray FM. I'm joined in the studio today. Uh, we're we're recording here in advance of, of Veterans Day. Um, I'm in the studio with Bethany Walmsley, who is Executive Director for Returning Vets. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Good. Um, so so I want to just uh, let's let's pin down what the organization does. Um, you're not actually providing the services directly. You're helping returning vets find services that they need. You're pointing them the right direction. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, it's the Returning Veterans Project. Mm -hmm. Uh, We are headquartered here in Portland, but we actually serve the entire state of Oregon as well as Southwest Washington. What we're doing is using a large network of licensed volunteer providers to connect our returning veterans, post 9-11 war zone, um, service members and reservists that are still serving, and also their families to mental health as well as somatic health care services. So things like acupuncture, chiropractic care, and other things that, frankly, um, they're not able to get through other means. Yeah, and, and I mean, that raises obviously a, a, a big question. Why is the Army, Navy, Marines, why, why are they not doing this? Yeah, so most people don't realize that less than half of our veterans are actually connected to something like a government program like Veterans Affairs. So even here in Portland, um, there's a lot of disparity in terms of access to high-quality care uh, and in a timely way, especially when you're in an area where there's not a very large base to depend on. So access to high-quality health care services is a real issue. And many of our veterans are not enrolled in VA healthcare. Um, it just so happens that in the post 9/11 era, it's much higher. So we're trying to make sure that we have a a way of filling in the gaps, if you will, so that people get the service that they need. So that how does a returning vet find out about you? In a number of ways. Um, thank you for having us. <laughs> this is one way. So outreach events like this, so that we can get the word out. But we have a very robust website. Um, I would say primarily most of our clients come to us through the website. Um, There's reasons for that. It's very safe to reach out for care. For two clicks, they can get to how to find services, look in their area, and see what volunteers we have available to help support them. So our website is really a primary access. um, But we attend a lot of events uh, from an outreach perspective to make sure that we are educating the veterans and their families in terms of the services we're offering. Just this past weekend, I participated out on the Portland Air National Guard base in a suicide prevention run, made sure that the runners had information about returning vets. So there's a number of events and things like that that we do to make sure that everyone knows we're here. I'm going to talk more about the the, the demand side of, of, of services. Um, you've mentioned a couple no- times now that volunteers 
for the the medical providers, the mental health providers. Yes. That that's a big deal. I mean, that you know, it's not, a not huge just, deal. Not just to skate by. So, I mean, who, why, why are they volunteering? Who, are, who, who are these these uh, magnanimous people? Yeah, if you talk to them, and they're amazing professionals that are actually taking a slot out of their practice and offering it pro bono. So, just to be really clear about what they're doing, their number one reason is the reward that they get for giving back for those that are helping keep us free and safe as a country. They typically have uh, maybe previous connection in their own family with a veteran. Perhaps they have someone who close to them that's been impacted by military service. Um, but they're incredible people that are really looking to give back in that way. The second thing that they mention is that we as an organization do a lot to help support our volunteers with continuing education. Perhaps they want to learn more about military culture. They're looking to improve their practice. Um, and there's a lot of trauma-related issues that are very complex that they learn more about by being engaged with our program. So each year we put on like five or six different continuing education events and help supply them with continuing education credits they need for their license, but also sort of bolster their education in a way so they learn more about an entire community of things that they didn't know existed prior to. Right, and, and, and I mean, part of that is, is I mean, PTSD is certainly uh, a, a term that has was, was not used with Vietnam vets returning. Right. Uh, not that it didn't exist. It, yeah, I think we can, we can clearly see that it did. Um, can you give us a little bit of the history of when did that come about in terms of mental health uh, services and 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 it seems as if that has been much more prevalent in the need um, from the current returning vets. Correct. Uh, I would say that, just to answer your question more thoroughly, um, so trauma-informed care has become a lot more um, prominent or recognized um, in the last 10 to 20 years, um, and especially with those that are military service, they're coming back from war zone areas, there's more than just PTSD that's trauma-related. Um, sure, PTSD is far more known, but there's military sexual trauma. There's traumatic brain injuries. There's a litany of things that are even just anxiety and depression-related that are very connected to trying to help give them a safe space so that they can reach out and get care. So, um, you know, PTSD is one, but I also think that there's a lot more awareness now of just trauma in general and how that impacts people in different ways. And that, that's, that's interesting to think that that uh, is informing not just uh, service for vets, but I would think service in general. Definitely. Um, that's that's a, a horrible silver lining to a, a gray cloud. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And let, let's talk about who's who's coming to you. Who are you working with? Who are these vets? I mean, I think that it's 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 easy to forget that there's still uh, ongoing uh, military service, military wars going on. Um, you know, it's certainly in in the eighteen uh, almost two decades since nine eleven uh, has fallen from the front page. Absolutely, um, is barely part of presidential debates, especially right now. Uh, and that is correct. And um, I think in Portland is not um, a population that that is is always. I mean, when we think of Portlandia, we're not thinking of. No. Nope. But but when you go to some when you go to Estacada, when you go to Vernonia, uh, you realize that some of these outlying populations are really being affected in large numbers. 
percentage-wise of, of people who are serving and returning. Yeah, absolutely. That's correct. And it's, it's really important, I think, to put a spotlight on the fact that although it isn't in the headlines, there's an incredible amount of growing need out there. Just in Oregon alone, the National Guard has already deployed this fall over 2,500 troops across the world in the Middle East and other areas that are still seeing activity. Uh, it may not be in the headlines. It's really important to recognize that they as well as the veterans that have already come back to our community and they're really struggling now to reintegrate into society. They've experienced some things in their life, including prolonged distance from their families that makes it really difficult to adjust back into just, like you said, you know, I'm in Portland and maybe we don't... The, the gap, the military and civilian gap is very large right now. And I think that's why the Returning Veterans Project is working so hard to make sure that there's an awareness that our services are available to them. I also wanna make sure that I, I plug something that's really important and that is that um, the family members are incredibly affected at the very same time as those that have served or are currently serving. Um, I myself speak at this from a place of personal experience. I'm married to a veteran. It's part of what drew me to this organization. The family member has the least amount of care available, and in some cases, they end up being the actual caregiver for a veteran or a service member that's still serving. And to leave them out, this mission includes them, and I think there's very few programs right now that are doing that. I, and, and I want to talk about um, that, that extra potential layer of trauma or potential layer of just uh, disorientation in terms of the war not being recognized and, and that gap between uh, serving military members and um, the, the the general population here at home at stateside, mm -hmm. that that I would think would would accentuate the trauma in terms of uh, you've you've this has been a daily reality for a six month tour right. and you come back and it must feel like a weird dream. Oh, absolutely. I think it, it, it absolutely feels like they're on a different planet now. And you're right. I mean, you can't go to your local co coffee shop and really people recognize what that means. And it also, it's an extra layer of isolation because you may strike up a conversation with somebody, but in, in, other than thank you for your service, there's not a lot of real real-time knowledge about well, what do I say next? I mean, one of the most popular things you can do is say, well, what did you do for the military? You know, what was your job in the military? Things like that that maybe help um, bring it down to a level of conversation where you can exchange ideas and be on common ground instead of it feeling like such a foreign. I think people get paralyzed after they figure out somebody's been in the military. They don't know how to relate to that. And it's not intended, but it's just it's a really, really large gap right now. Bethany Walm Walmsley is the executive director for the Returning Vets Project. We're going to take a quick musical break and be right back. Good look around This is your 
This is Phil Bussey. It's the Nonprofit Happy Hour. I am talking to Bethany Walmsley, who is the Executive Director for the Returning Vets Project uh, in advance here of Veterans Day. Um, you guys are, how, let's, let's talk about just real fast about numbers. How many people are, is your organization serving? Is, is that a fair metric? Yes, very fair. Um, 
each year we're serving nearly 500 people a year, and that's a combination of individual veterans, service members, and their family members. Um, we have many family groups that are benefiting from marriage and family therapy. So, but total, we're hovering around the 500 mark. Um, that's 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 a lot more than it is. You know, a couple yeah. people every day. Oh yeah, ab- absolutely. And you can imagine with the different services we offer, that can mean one person has been in counseling on a weekly basis all year long, or that can mean that someone ended up getting a series of chiropractic care services. It's It varies depending on the service level. And I, I want to talk a little bit more about um, getting an idea about what's happening on the ground in Afghanistan and Syria and in Iraq. Um, one, one of the things that, that seems is that medical care has become much more sophisticated in the past 20 years, which is wonderful, but it also has meant that uh, uh, injuries that would have perhaps killed are now having survivors. Right. Which is wonderful, but it is a new dimension of living, you know, with, with, without, with living with, as an amputee. Uh, yeah. and, and or living with, with head trauma that may have been uh, lethal before is no longer. Right. And that seems to have uh, upped the ante. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so just to put a th- few numbers around it so we can kind of wrap our heads around the problem, uh, 36% of the veterans are actually leaving service with a service-connected disability. Uh, 19% are actual physical disabilities, much higher than that are around the 35% mark, 36% mark for trauma-related, including traumatic brain injury, which hovers around about 17%. So for this era, it's a a significant uh, issue. Um, And many of them are, again, in this service area, you may have some services to lean on for the VA, but they there's waiting lists. There are significant issues in terms of timely care. So... And is, is part of the problem, uh, uh, I have a preconceived idea that there's a certain machismo uh, is that's part of military services that would say, you know, just, just, just suck it up. Yeah. Thank uh, you for bringing that up. That's a very important part of this. They are trained to not reach out for help. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely right. And most people don't realize that these days, one in five are actually women. And again, we're all trained in that same way. Um, there is a reticence around those that are still serving as well to really reach out. There's a real stigma here that's just, I'm reaching out, say we're just talking about mental health. There's still a stigma in terms of reaching out for help with mental health in general. And then you have the additional layer of military culture and training, which doesn't necessarily spark, I need to reach out and get that support. There's also service members that are very concerned about reaching out for assistance, which is why all of our services are completely confidential. It's really, really important that they know that there's a place to go where there is no paper record. There is no bureaucracy in getting those services, but there's also no paper and no nothing in their service record that can come back and be of concern for them later. Um, no one likes to really talk about that, but it's a real barrier for reaching out and getting support when you may really need it the most. It would also seem, though, that 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 creates another dislocation, is that once you reach out, you maybe feel like you've broken the the code. I think that's sure. I I think that's possible. But I think it does help with the Returning Veterans Project that they know that that is a relationship that's built between them and the provider. And I think just knowing that 
can be the one thing that helps them get over that line and, and have those conversations. That's it's really important. Now, you've been with the organizations for a bit over a year. Yeah, I've been with the uh, Returning Veterans Project for 18 months. And and uh, you talked a little bit before our music break about uh, you you are uh, married to a, a vet. I am. Um, and, and I assume that was the draw? Very much so. Uh, I actually have a healthcare background, so I used to work um, basically bringing organizations together to work on patient safety and quality. So I have a healthcare background. And when I saw the mission for this organization, it was actually a forced relocation from my husband's career that brought us out of the area for a while. And when I returned to this area, the Pacific Northwest is our home. And when we returned, uh, I saw that the Returning Veterans Project was looking for an executive director. And for me, it had the perfect marriage of previous professional background, but also a personal passion of mine knowing what I went through over the years as my husband was deploying overseas. Yeah, and I, I guess I was going to say, what, what, what have you been able to bring to the organization? Um, I think a lot of business savvy in terms of what it takes to create a nonprofit that's sustainable, um, how important it is to tell your story effectively and make sure that um, we're reaching the right people. And um, But in addition to that, the personal side of it for me is just understanding what it feels like to be in those shoes and knowing that there are things that we can do to make people feel more safe to reach out and get some support so i don't know that that's about the best i have on that it's more difficult to talk about myself (laughs) fair enough Um, yeah uh, let's let's talk about maybe then quickly the organizations what's the biggest challenge for their organization in the upcoming year yeah, so our biggest challenge, as always, as for any nonprofit, is making sure that you have sustainable funding so that you can continue to provide valuable services. And so as we move into our end of year, we have a couple of different events going on to kick off our end of year uh, fundraising. Um, we'll be on November 1st. Do you mind if I plug a few things? Absolutely. Please do. <laughs> on November 1st uh, at the WeWork Custom House here in Portland on the northwest side. Um, In their event space, we're actually having a three-hour wine tasting and small bites kind of event to kick off our end-of-year fundraising. Um, Anyone is welcome to come. Of course, we'll be sending out Save the Dates as well. We're featuring some veteran-owned businesses to do that, so uh, Dauntless Wine Company and the Joel Palmer House. Um, Very important to make sure that we're putting a spotlight on those veteran-owned businesses. In addition to that, on Veterans Day, we also have an event called Chowdown for Vets. Uh, What that basically is, is restaurants actually agree that for Veterans Day, they take a small percentage of their proceeds and donate it to our organization so that we are getting some private funding from them. And in return, people know that they can go to those organizations and they'll be supporting a veteran on that day. Wonderful. And, and, and then just in, in closing, you had mentioned a little bit about what, what uh, people can do in terms of their own daily life uh, to, to support vets. And you want to reiterate that suggestion or talk a little bit about what, what your recommendation is? Right. I think if you have the opportunity to uh, run into a vet or get to know someone new that has either served in the military or is currently serving, I think just being able to relate to them in a way that, remember, that was just a job, that was their job for a very long time, or it's still currently their job. Um, There may be certain things that they can't talk about, but I think they would always appreciate someone who's willing to reach out to them and say, well, this is what I do every day. I'd love to know more about what your job was for the military. People don't often realize that they have accountants and, you know, security forces and police forces and other things that we have in the private sector that 
there's a lot of things that we can relate to each other on. So it doesn't have to be a, a barrier. And just, just good advice in general to take interest in, in your yeah, neighbor. Absolutely. Bethany Walmsley is the executive director for the Returning Vet Projects. Thank you so much for the work you're doing. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. The Nonprofit Happy Hour is made possible by Beneficial State Bank, a certified B Corps that holds to what it calls a triple bottom line of social justice, environmental well being, and economic sustainability. If your organization or business is interested in underwriting our show, please email phil at mediamakingchange.org. The Nonprofit Happy Hour is a production of the Media Institute for Social Change and KXRY Radio, X Ray FM. Our host is Phil Bussey. Our executive producer and editor is me, Carly Meisberger. Archives of past shows can be found on our SoundCloud page. Questions, comments, or ideas about the show can be sent to info at mediamakingchange.org. Thanks for tuning in.